looking at you, kid. That's the rumor. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Get away from her, you bitch! I'll have what she's having. You move, Chief. I am poor my whole life. Not true. I'm going to kill you in one minute, man. That is extremely rude. Funny how. You can't handle the truth! Not, not quite my temple. Is this your homework, Larry? This messes it up yours. Where I'm from. No fighting. And here we go. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Reviewable. Just cracked open a couple liquid deaths to start off the episode. That's right. We'll continue to shamelessly plug ourselves to be sponsored by Liquid Death. What are you drinking, Brain? I'm drinking Convicted Melon over here. Mm, I'm drinking Bury It Alive. There you go. Sparkling. Cheers. Little sparkling W. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's my favorite flavor, actually. Let me try that one again. Convicted Melon. I like that a lot. That is a really strong sparkling water yeah, flavor. Extremely. Yeah. This is this is the flavor that got me onto the train because I I've had LaCroix and I don't like LaCroix. Oh Braden does not like LaCroix, which yeah. is sad because some of their flavors in my opinion are really good. But like I tried this one and it was really strong. Yeah. And this is the only sparkling water that I've liked and since then I've started getting into yeah. it. Sweet. But not LaCroix. We're a liquid death family now, right? Yep. I still like LaCroix, though. Okay. But we like liquid death best. No, yeah, we do. Okay. Well, this week is going to be a little lighter because we didn't finish a show. I didn't read a book. Oh, you didn't? No. I'm in the middle of one, so. What are you reading? Do I say? Okay. I'm reading Death in Florence. It's it's about the Medici family. And is that how you say it? You say Medici, not Medici? Yeah, it's Medici. Because okay. the pizza restaurant is Medici. But the family is Medici. Yeah, but do you want to tell them why you're reading about Florence? We're going to Italy. Yeah, we might go to Florence while we're there. I really hope we do. The, Florence has been on my wish list to go to since, like, seventh grade. Really? Yeah. Why? Because that's, we, I took AP European history. In seventh grade? No. No, not seventh grade. Uh, not sophomore, sophomore year. Okay. Um, so what is So that's that? year 10. Okay. 10th grade. For our Europeans listening. And then, and in the, in the class, we had a unit about the Renaissance and Florence is basically responsible for the Renaissance, the Italian Renaissance. So cool. all the art, all the architecture, Machiavelli. Freaking Da Vinci, Botticelli, Brunelleschi, Michelangelo, all of them from Florence. All of it happened because of, basically because of the Medici family. That's crazy. So I'm just, I'm brushing up on it. I've always okay. wanted to go. I really hope we can. Yeah, knock on wood, everybody. Because then I'll be armed with knowledge. And I'll be able to be like, and did you know? <laughs> and your teeth will get all really big. Yeah, like that did little. Did you know? Like that little ginger-haired brat from the Polar Express who's like, you know what kind of train this is? You know what kind of dome this is? We look over and you're just like a 10-year-old little redhead freckly boy. I'm looming over like a native. You know what kind of dome that is? From Florence. Brunelleschi dome. That's so funny. Okay, well, what movie are we talking about? Uh, Blackberry. 
Was that? Know. Did it come out this year? Yeah, it came out in 2023. Well, how do you do? Yeah. Do you want to read the synopsis, or are we just uh, going to riff it? Well, I wanted to just get... I, didn't really like this synopsis that I read. But basically, so apparently, I just looked this up. This movie is loosely based off of a book. Um, the book is called Losing the Signal, colon, the untold story behind the extraordinary rise and spectacular fall of Blackberry by Jacqui McNeish and Sean Silkoff. Um, if there's any Zoomers in the audience that don't know what a Blackberry is... Look it up, please. Yeah, you should. You should. Big dumb idiot. You should know. Seriously, but I don't I know. I mean, they were revolutionary. You, you wouldn't. You wouldn't if you were born like post, like after me. Anytime after me. I when, like. when was the iPhone released? Because that's like that's what killed the BlackBerry. It was it was the first smartphone. In case you haven't caught on. Two thousand seven. We didn't really explicitly state it, so I okay, guess. Okay. Well, okay. So the movie's about. If you were born post-2007, you probably never had a family member that had early one. 2000s. You know, even a seven-year-old is yeah. a, I don't know. All right. But basically, the movie's just about the creation of the phone, BlackBerry, and the company and all of that. And it's basically just Mike and Doug are the creators, but they're friends of this company, R.I.M. R.I.M. Yeah, that's what I said. No, not A.M. I.M. R.I.M. I thought you said A.M. No, R.I.M. Oh, okay. And they have this idea for email, texting, phone calls, right? Yeah. For in a phone. I don't and, know if texting was a thing. Oh, yeah, internet. Yeah. Just like internet and email on a phone that's mobile. And so they're trying to pitch it to this guy at a company, and the guy is a total dick, totally ignores them, blows them off 100%. Yeah. Long story short, they end up working with him, Mike, and the character... Uh, Jim. Jim. Mike yeah. and Jim end up being co-CEOs. Jim Jim is the dick, by the way. Jim is the dick, yeah. yeah. He's a... Uh... Big old dick. He's Dennis from Always Sunny. Yeah. So it's hard to see him differently. <laughs> but Jim and Mike are co-CEOs of this company, and it's basically their journey through getting super big. Blackberry being a huge success and then their eventual downfall mm -hmm. when the iPhone comes out. Which we just spoiled. But yeah, that's fine. a huge spoiler, you know, almost 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But that's, uh, yeah, good, good synopsis. That's what it's about. It's really, I was um, really pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, me too. I don't think I really knew any... Like, I don't think I'd read or watched anything about it. I think we'd seen a trailer for it or something, and yeah. I knew I wanted to watch yeah. it. But besides that, I didn't really know anything about it. It was one of those ones where you're like, you scroll past it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I did want to watch that. And finally, we just did. And we did. And it was, it was really good. Yeah. And something that I thought was interesting, so Mike in the movie is, at the beginning of the movie, is this really quiet, nerdy, soft-spoken dude. Yeah. He is a huge tech guy, and that's how he can interact with people is by like relating it to tech. I feel like, and Jim, a hundred percent a business guy. He doesn't understand the tech a hundred percent. Like can... a ruthless one, though. yeah. Because he gets he gets fired from his first job for being too ruthless. Because yeah, he wants to do this big pitch to a company that 
he doesn't work for a VC firm. It's like some, it's something like that though. And they're talking to this company because they're going to acquire them. And he wants all the spotlight. He wants, yeah. And his boss tells him, no, like your coworker is going to give this presentation because he was up till, you know, 2 a.m. last night preparing these tax documents. And then Jim has his assistant send in the tax document, all that, all that like research and prep that his coworker did right before the meeting starts. And then he just hijacks it. And then he gets fired for it. He gets fired for that. Yeah. At least in the movie. Who knows if that's. Yeah. We didn't read the book. But, you know, Jim Ruthless, Mike at the beginning of the movie, you can almost step all over him. And his friend Doug really kind of helps Mike in that way, helps him, backs him up and helps him stand on his own two feet and helps him be heard. And. Towards the middle of the movie, I felt like Jim and Mike are perfect. Like, they really complement each other. Yeah. Like, Jim, still the businessman. Mike, still the tech guy. But Mike explains things to Jim, and Jim explains things to Mike. And I feel like they wouldn't work. The company wouldn't run as well if it was just Jim or if it was just Mike. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't yeah. exist at all because Jim got them their meetings and mm-hmm. Jim got them their first big break and Mike made it made the technology work. He made the phone work, plus all the other engineers that helped them. But yeah, and had standards for the company that he didn't want things manufactured in China. Yeah, he that's, wanted things to be done. Yeah, that's kind of like a important Huge. subplot in the in the movie, and symbolic as well of where BlackBerry starts and where they eventually go. We'll talk about that, I guess, in a... Well, we can talk about it now. So, at the very beginning, they make it very clear that the reason that there are deficiencies in a lot of technologies that people use is because they're manufactured in China, and the factories in China don't care about... Quality. ...about the little things that engineers care about that are making it in-house. So, they... Mike says that they're never going to make anything half-assed they're never going to make anything in china and then by the end mike has become so desperate to compete with apple and to over because the iphone is being launched and everybody is very taken by it and they have forgotten about the blackberry and mike eventually becomes so desperate to compete and get his uh product out before the iphone that he says yeah let's let's go to china Let's start making these in China. And then that that's when you as the viewer kind of know. Like, Mike has sold out. And BlackBerry's done. Yeah. Like they've they've lost. Yeah. It's just crazy how re- like revolutionary the BlackBerry was. That like I knew it was a big phone and it was a big deal having a BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. But I never realized how big of a deal yeah, it was. I mean I, to have email and like the internet on your phone. I mean, Must you know. huge. It had to have been huge. It's crazy. I'm pretty sure my dad had a BlackBerry at one point. Of course he did. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize how big it was either yeah. at the time. But I do remember when the iPhone got announced, and I was like, "Whoa!" So an iPod Touch, but it's a phone too. What were you twelve? Two thousand seven. Yeah, it would have been twelve. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I guess I should remember when that was announced because that was you know middle school you're you're kind of lucid by then to the things going on around you (laughs) yeah 
but I remember I remember that, and I was I remember thinking like, wow, that's big. The I think that one of the first times that I can remember an iPhone, my older brother had gotten one, and he thought it was so cool to be able to silence it and like like the ringer on and then the vibrate. Uh-huh. And he was like, touch my phone, touch my phone, and then he's like switching it back and forth, so I just feel it vibrate, and I was like cool yeah it wasn't that cool (laughs) nice and and just like the touch the touch screen yeah well and the revolutionary the trackpad that they had on there crazy the iphone no not the iphone oh i thought we're talking about the blackberry now oh no i'm talking about the touch screen on the iphone was crazy but back to the blackberry i mean the trackpad that they had on there and the keyboard being so small yeah, I never considered that. I've I've always just had a well, I had a flip phone. Never mind. But you did? I did. But I didn't know that. But, How old were you? But when I got my first phone, touchscreens did exist. So oh, like I never I never considered a phone world without a keyboard. Um but that used to that used to be the norm and Blackberry changed that. Blackberry Blackberry is very important apparently. I didn't know. Tell the history of yeah. phones um but the back to the movie i guess like it it's very informative and i like that in a in a movie like this and it's pretty funny at parts too oh, yeah. which i really like in a movie like this and it was well edited so it had had a cool soundtrack it had kind of this like 8-bit video gamey sounding soundtrack which obviously fits perfectly when you're dealing with engineering and building things well, and like for um, the time, like the late 90s or whatever, mid 90s. Yeah. Just revolutionary in so many different ways. This isn't, you wouldn't call this a biopic, right? Because it's a, a, like, that's a biographical movie. And isn't that only about a, a person? Or, or well, it's can definitely it be... documentary style. I mean, it's not a documentary, though. No, but it's yeah. like a, it's almost like they made it, they, they made it filmed almost as if it was a documentary because there are certain scenes where, they're in a meeting and the camera pans over to a certain person to get their reaction. And, but like, it's not exactly a documentary. I mean, it's obviously a dramatized documentary type thing. Whatever type of movie this is, this was like exactly what I like in in that type of movie. I would compare it to the social network, the big short. Yeah. The big short's more of a comedy than this, but like it, it sort of scratches the itch in the same way that the big short does because it, tells you a lot of stuff while being well acted while being really well edited while being funny at times and yeah, this then, is like the best way to learn about something i feel like as long as it's true yeah yeah um but you know that's not what we're focusing on no. as far as we're concerned this was a hundred percent true a hundred um the other movie i would compare it to is the steve jobs movie from 2015 which jobs no no steve, steve jobs, jobs. Yeah, okay. the one with michael fassbender not the ashton kutcher one that one, the 2015 one with Michael Fassbender is really good. And this is like that. So, like, if you liked any of those movies, then you'll probably like this. Yeah, something I thought that was interesting about this movie is at the beginning of the movie, it's Mike and Doug at RAM, and they have all their engineers, and they're all goofy, and they work, but they're also there to have fun and be because they're all friends and they're all engineers and they're all into video games and all that. Jim comes in, company takes off, they get a COO, and the COO He's like a taskmaster. A taskmaster master. And something that I thought was really sad is apparently all these engineers have been working like eighty hour weeks 
and Doug gets into this argument with Mike and is like, Mike, why do you think all of these engineers are working 80 hours a week? And Mike's like, because they get to work on the best phone mm-hmm. ever. And Doug is like, that's not why. Which like, I understand what they were going for there. Um, but as I'm a software engineer, that's my day job. And basically Doug is saying, because the COO cancels movie night and that's a thing that they do. They just, they like for to team building. Yeah. They like to have fun at work while they're at work. Um, but I was like, okay, even if you gave me a movie night, even if you had like, even if you have what Google has with chefs in house and, Mm -hmm. you know, three square meals a day, you can bring your pet to work. Like there's no way in hell I'm working anything more than 40 hours. I'm just not doing it. Like, (laughs) so, so that part I didn't really personally buy as an engineer, but I get the sentiment because Mike has lost sight of what made RIM a special place to work or black, you know, Blackberry as it eventually became. No, it was RIM the whole time. No, I think, I think they rebranded. I think, but I think they were always RIM because even at the end it said RIM. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So RIM made Blackberry. Right. Um, didn't they like change their name to Blackberry to sort of cover the bad publicity that RAM had after I don't think the so, end of the movie? I think, I think they, I read that Mike stepped down as CEO in 2016 from RAM. Oh, I looked this up after, by the way. All of the, so Jim, Mike, and Doug, one of the things that the film tells you at the end is Doug sold his shares in 2007 right before the market, market crash and right before BlackBerry just started sucking. Mm-hmm. So he sold it at the all-time high for BlackBerry. And he's secretly one of the richest men in the world, which is good for him. So happy. Um, but apparently they're all just filthy, filthy rich. I it. Yeah. Like, even though the SEC got Jim in trouble, he's still a multi-billionaire. That's so crazy. Yeah. Anyway. I mean... You know, it, like, sucks that he did some shady things. But, like, I'm still happy that, like, he's rich. Oh, Jim? Yeah. Yeah. He took Just a lot be- of risk. Yeah. He did. Mm-hmm. After he got fired from his job that they show at the beginning of the movie, he mortgages his house. He yeah. puts a second mortgage on his house. To pay their employees. Yeah. At R.A.M. Yeah. Because they are it just in debt. So. Yeah. He took a ton of risk. Yeah. But this was a really good movie. Should we rate it? I Yeah, I covered all my notes that I had. It was just hard for me to get past, like, thinking of Jim as not Dennis from Always Sunny. Yeah. <laughs> and that he was, like, partially bald on top. He's very loud in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he yells a lot. Oh, all the time. Oh, parents, parents guide. Um, oh, yeah. Language, yeah. I'd say, is the only thing. So it's rated R for language. Yeah. There's a decent amount of it. Like, it's... Uh, but that's the only thing, so... Again, I'm going to compare it to Steve Jobs, if you've seen that. Although not very, not very many people have seen that movie. Well, or The Big Short with language. I mean, The Big Short has a little bit of nudity in it. Just the girl in the bathtub, right? In the bathtub? Oh, wait, I guess they go to a strip club. Yeah, they go to a strip club. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but there's less language in this than there is in The Big Short. Yeah. Probably about the same as Steve Jobs, I would guess. Oh, something I wanted to say about this movie is Jim... A marketing strategy that he has is he has all of the 
marketing and salespeople go out to like country clubs and bars and golf courses. And he's like, be as loud and funny and draw as much attention as possible while using these phones. Yeah. Because he wants all of these rich people and all of these people at just as yeah. a marketing strategy. Just to be obnoxious with it. And, yeah. you know, they show these sales guys out there at bars and he's sitting there by himself dying laughing. And everyone's like, what the heck is this guy talking about? And then, like, the next scene is, like, all these people around him while he's using this phone and everyone's laughing. I just yeah. feel like that's such a amazing marketing strategy. Yeah, I think he says he wants to make it, like, a status symbol. Yeah. So And it really is. So it was. Was. I, well... I don't know if it was the first phone that was a status symbol because I just don't know what came before it. But like, I don't know when the car phone was, but the car phone was pretty cool. But like, you can definitely imagine Apple taking notes, right? Yeah. Because that's that's how iPhones are in America. Like, if you don't have an iPhone, then and the latest one, whatever. Yep. It's dumb. Oh, something else was when the. Apple was releasing their first iPhone and they released how much the phone was going to be. And it was like 600 bucks. And they were like, nobody will ever buy this phone for 600 bucks. That's so expensive. And now what is that in 2007 though? And now iPhones are what? A thousand dollars is like the minimum. Right. Back then that, Oh yeah. Yeah. So that would have been the equivalent of $800. So they've gone up an an extra 200. It's crazy. Or 800, so about 900, 882 is what, yeah. what that would have been. Should we rate it now? Or is this yeah, another red first. herring? <laughs> no, you go first. You okay. rate it. Okay. So I'm going to give this eight and a half darkly colored fruits out of 10. That was a good one. Yeah, you like that? Okay. I think I would rate it an eight. Um, Disgruntled oh. CEOs. No. Oh, man. Why didn't I think of something before? SEC event investigations. No. Eight dooms red headbands. Oh, yeah, out of 10 red headbands. Yeah, solid, really good, really solid movie. Yeah, yeah, really funny. Yeah, and if you're okay watching a movie with language, that's all the parents' guide that I would say was in there. Yeah, language, and it's interesting. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Okay, uh, so we don't have a show this week, we did not finish a show. Mm-mm. Um, I guess you. You have a book. I don't have a book, but I have a Did video game. Did you watch game. a TV show? Uh, no, I didn't. I finished a TV show this week. Let's not. Let's just do book, video game, and then separate stuff. Yeah, my separate stuff is... Is the TV show? It's the TV show. Okay. Uh, yeah, cool. So you do you do book then. Okay. So I read this book called The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. Okay. And it's about this woman... Casey, who her husband dies, he drowned. Her family owns a house at this lake. And her husband died the previous 14 months before the start of the book. He drowned at the lake. And there's only four houses, I think, on this lake. So it's pretty small. Wait, what's the main character's name? Did you say? Casey. Casey. Okay. And her husband, Len, died, drowns in the lake. And so her mom basically, she's an actress and she started off as an she's a kid actor her parent her mom was on broadway and her mom really wanted her to be an actress whatever she's an actress and then switches over to like plays on broadway okay and after her husband dies she turns to drinking starts drinking a ton 
Her mom basically sends her... Wait, wait, wait. She's a child actor, but she has a husband? Well, she was a child actor, and then she grew up, sorry. Okay. She was, and then she grew up. She's, like, in her 30s now, and then her husband drowns. Okay. Okay, her mom sends her to the lake house after this huge scandal happened in New York to basically have her dry out. And while she's there, she doesn't dry out. Her neighbor, like... Well, yeah, she's in a lake. She's so drunk every single day. And she finds these binoculars in the house. And one of the houses across the lake is super modern. And it has, like, all of the glass windows. Okay. So she's super bored. She has nothing to do. She doesn't want to watch TV. She just sits out on the porch all day and drinks. And she finds these binoculars in the house. And she starts spying on the neighbors across the lake. It's a husband and a wife. And she sees them arguing and stuff. And then, like the second day she was on the lake or at the lake her she sees her neighbor drowning and so she gets in the boat and goes out and saves her and basically this is like a little mystery thing because like a couple days later um the wife the one that she rescued from the lake Mm -hmm. goes missing and so she's like trying to figure out what's going on like spying on the husband now trying to figure out what happened to this wife because they like clicked immediately and she was like we're friends and also this is messed up it's a little spooky at the end the ending was really good i don't want to spoil it but it kind of had like it seemed like it was resolved and then it picked back up and then it was finally resolved classic thriller Mm -hmm. it was good sounds a lot like rear window yeah I think that's what they were going for because in the book, Casey is like, I love Rear Window. Okay. Yeah. And obviously some Gatsby in there. Yeah. Uh, Gatsby's referenced as well. Okay. Um, but I liked it. I would um, rate it probably like a seven and a half spooky ghosts. Out of ten spooky ghosts. Spooky, scary skeletons. Go off. Okay. That's what I read. Yeah. Nice. I would definitely recommend it. It's not scary. I don't like scary books, Mm -hmm. but it is a little spooky thriller-ish. Okay. You go. Did you notice I was trying to say okay like a thousand times? And I kept cutting you off? No. No. No, Just as you were telling me things. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I know you were giving me weird looks the whole time too. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to put you off. Didn't work. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. You didn't break. Well done. Thank you. This was a test. You're dumb. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm going to be talking about a video gum, video game. And the video game that I played. It's it, probably the worst game ever. Yeah, Micah played it a little bit, but she just didn't get good at this game. Oh my gosh. Tell them what it is. So it's called Celeste. And it's about uh, this little, this girl named Madeline, who is this little ginger girl that is trying to climb Celeste Mountain. And this game is um, a... You're literally climbing a mountain in the game, but it's meant to be an allegory for overcoming difficult things um, and overcoming mental illness slash anxiety because Madeline has anxiety. And um, she... It's kind of cool because you're it's a very difficult game um as you know micah 
there are like six levels in the game and I I just beat like the basic story. There's other things you can do later um, if you want to. And it, I died like over 3,000 times trying to clear those six levels for a, a combined total. So it's, it's... How many of those do you think were mine? A decent amount, but like the majority were mine, obviously, because yeah. I played... I played more. Well, it's a pretty short game. How many days did this take you? Like how many so hours? So I was I was done in like ten hours, I think. Um, it's kind of cool because it's this really challenging game. So it's a metaphorical mountain for you to climb, and in the game you are literally climbing a mountain to beat the game, and the character is trying to climb the mountain to accomplish something, while the player is guiding her to the top of. The mountain trying to accomplish beating this hard game so it's kind of like a cool little metaphor um which is why people absolutely love it what kind um, of game is it it's a platformer 2d platformer so which is what you really like i love that kind of that kind of game so think of like donkey kong um mario like the 2d mario games um ori that kind of stuff that that's what this is um Thankfully, even though you die a ton of times, it's very generous with its checkpoint system. Yeah, it's like pretty much every time you enter a room. Yeah, it's a checkpoint, and checkpoint. and the load times are really fast. So you die, you're instantly you instantly get to try again. So I didn't yeah. get frustrated um, dying so many times. And I think what really impressed me about this game is there's three buttons that you press. Too many buttons. Like I kept telling Micah, Micah kept <laughs> trying to clear a, a level or to get like, you're supposed to get these little strawberries um, as like little extra bonuses. And every time Michael would try to get one of these strawberries, she would get flustered and say that there's too many buttons. Michael, I just there's get... literally three buttons in this game besides the control stick. There's jump, you can do a dash and then you can climb. I know, but I can't. That's all you can do. Yeah, but there's also the control. Mm -hmm. There's four. It was too yeah, many. Yeah, and the control stick. It was rough. But like, I just get confused and then hit the wrong button. What I what I think I was amazed by from like a um, like a game design perspective is how much mileage they got out of those three buttons. Because In what way? Because it would if you're playing a ten hour game and there's only three things that you're doing in the game: you're jumping, you're dashing, and you're climbing. Right. Yeah. That could get really boring after like two levels. Yeah. But like the amount of... Yeah, without adding more skills is what you're talking about. But they don't. Like they That's don't... what I'm saying. Yeah, they just add like these little gimmicks into the levels that make them different enough that yeah. it's it's still entertaining. Like I had a, I had a fun time overcoming this game. I tried to play this uh, a long time ago. I don't know. When I first started playing video games again recently... I went through this like sort of indie game renaissance and I played Ori and I played Hollow Knight and I played Dead Cells and then I played Celeste because I heard Celeste was great. And like the praise for this game kind of borders on mania because of like the, you know, it's an allegory for yeah. anxiety and mental illness and whatever. And I kind of resented it because I was like, why, why does this game get praise just heaped on it and Ori, like people say, yeah, it's really good, and then that's and then they move on. Like Ori deserves this more than Celeste does. Hollow Knight deserves Hollow Knight gets a ton of praise, but like, can I tell them about the crying thing? What crying thing? With you. Oh 
Yeah, the only game. Okay, so Brayden and I have known each other for like five years, and I've only seen him cry twice. Mm-hmm. He didn't cry at our wedding. Well, neither of us cried at our wedding. Mm-hmm. But once was when our cat ran away. Brayden cried. Yeah. Justified. The second time was when Brayden beat Ori. Two. The second Ori. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. And he cried about it. And I, I like came out of our room after taking a nap and Brayden's just sitting on the couch, tears streaming down his face. Yeah. I'll I'm I will talk about Ori at some point. Yeah. Because it's those two games are my favorite games ever. Yeah. Um freaking masterpieces. Oh, that's so pretty. Anyway, I still think that Ori and Hollow Knight are better than Celeste. But I've come around, and I think that this is actually a very good game. And if you are interested in 2D platformers, if you're interested in like an it's it's like an 8-bit pixel art style, um, if you're interested in that sort of a thing, then definitely give this a try. I think it's free on Game Pass, so maybe just give it a try anyway. You might like it. Um, was it pretty? Did you think it was pretty? Oh, I thought it was decently pretty. Yeah, that's one thing that people love about it too is they they say that it's visually so amazing. I'm comparing it to Ori the whole time and Ori is much more impressive. Oh uh, yeah. Like, it was a completely by, different art style. It is, but like by every metric Ori is more impressive. Yeah. Like clearly more work went into making it look the way it looks than what then went into Celeste. Not to say that like they didn't try with Celeste. It's just they were going for something that's a lot easier to do, which is like the 8-bit style. And Ori, Ori's going for more of like this... Super artsy. Yeah, it's almost like a Pixar movie. It's like almost like watercolor. Yeah. Hyper-realism. There's, like, there's hand-drawn mixed in with... Um, Computer-generated. Generated, but like they had to spend a lot of... T- it's not AI-generated, like they're... Oh, they did a lot of that um, on the computer painstakingly themselves. It doesn't look as good as Hollow Knight, in my opinion, either. It definitely doesn't look as good as Cuphead. Um, well, what was your favorite part of this game? The gameplay. Okay, did you feel like the story was good? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was like, I thought it worked. It worked well. Because it's not a super long game, so it's no. not like the story needs to be super involved, right? I wasn't, like, enamored by the, the allegory, um, like a lot of people are do you think that's because i mean tell me if i'm wrong that you haven't really struggled with like mental health yeah stuff that's part of it but also i think that like i don't want to say it felt like a gimmick because i thought it worked pretty well Mm -hmm. for what it was going for but at the same time it almost did feel a little bit gimmicky like yeah do you hear that voice crack (laughs) so you feel like it kind of has like a cult following yeah yeah but 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 i understand i understand why it's just that that didn't really work for me okay didn't really work for me because you don't really relate to that yes and i it didn't work for me in the way that ori's story works or hollow knights works so okay um the gameplay is the strongest part for me which i thought was good so i'll give it rating now if i may please please do i'll give it eight Mountains out of 10. As big as a mountain. Exactly. <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's mine though. Okay. Move on to other stuff. Yeah, so I finished the show. Um, it's called Shrinking. I think I talked about it in a previous episode that I was going to finish it. But it only has one season so far. 
and the cast is not super big, but Jason Siegel's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Harrison Ford is in it. This woman, Jessica Williams. And it's basically about this character, Jimmy, who his wife had died, and he basically checks out of his life. He's a therapist, but he starts drinking a ton. He's like hanging out with prostitutes. He does a ton of coke all the time. <laughs> it's mm. not the best version of himself. And during... He's not living his best life? I mean, no, he's not. Because okay. he has a daughter. and She's in high school. And he completely checks out of parenting her. The neighbor steps up and all this. But Harrison Ford is in this. And I, he plays a grumpy old man. Of course he does. And he does such a good job. Yeah. I feel like he's just himself. Yeah. And like something... Um, Harrison Ford is also a therapist. He's like the head therapist of the practice. And he's kind of Jimmy's... Um, mentor so harrison ford's name is paul um so paul is jimmy's mentor and kind of friend but paul is super secretive about his life like jimmy didn't even know that paul had a daughter she's like a full-grown adult harrison ford is paul right harrison ford is paul okay and jimmy doesn't know what his house looks like and um, Paul calls it his fortress of solitude or like mm-hmm. his, this, Oh, the inner sanctum or something yeah. like that. It's super private. And basically through the show, Jimmy kind of crosses some boundaries as like a therapist. I, they just say that he does. I don't, it seems unprofessional. Some of the things that he does and it seems like he's getting better and it seems like he's making progress with some of his patients and some huge thing happens at the end of the season that I don't want to spoil, but it was kind of cool to see Jimmy like snap out of it and try and be closer with his daughter and have better relationships with his friends and all this. But Harrison Ford is the star of the show. He's such a grumpy old man. It's awesome. (laughs) You gotta love a grumpy Harrison Ford. You gotta love it. So I think I would rate this eight cliffs. Out of ten cliffs. I know what you're talking about. I know, because I, sh- I showed Braden the last. Because I looked over your shoulder. Yeah. So, Heath- please watch it. Heathcliffs? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Say no more. What did you watch? Uh, I watched a movie called Cape Fear. And apparently it's uh, a remake of an older movie of the same name. But this one was directed by Martin Scorsese. You're obsessed. Nuh-uh. What's the so it's about this guy named max katie who is a prisoner he's in prison he's played by robert de niro big shock (laughs) in a martin scorsese movie but um you see him at the very beginning of the movie and he's working out getting huge getting swole um and he's got all these tattoos on his on his person that are very ominous looking. And then there's this big scary music playing and you just see him, you know, working out, you see all these books that he's been reading and it's all like philosophy and, uh, law and like religious in his cell in his cell. And then he gets released and he's out into the wild. And you just know that this is not a guy that you want to be letting out into the wild. Just what from... was he in prison for? So you find out that he assaulted a woman I don't know if I'm allowed to say the R word. If YouTube, okay. YouTube might demonetize it, but um, 
that's what he did. And his lawyer is played by uh, Nick Nolte. You know him from... You sounded like a gosh dang Baraka. <laughs> oh, for Warrior? Yep. <laughs> okay. People might even just guess who, you know, picture his face just based on that voice. <laughs> that's, how, that's how he talks. But he's like the... The, the devil you know. Exactly. The, the, the devil you don't yeah. know. <laughs> that's him. Um, so he was uh, Max, Katie's lawyer, and he's got a family. And you find out that he suppressed evidence to get Max Katie put in prison um, that maybe could have got him. Wait, so he was the He was the, the prosecutor? Max Katie's lawyer. He was the defendant. And he hid evidence? Yeah. To help him get a lesser sentence? That would have helped him maybe be exonerated. His lawyer basically put him in prison? Yeah. His own lawyer? Yeah. And he did it because he saw, he saw like the, the pictures of what, max katie did to the girl and so he was like yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not really gonna try that hard to get this guy exonerated because he needs to go away um and basically it's a revenge movie about robert de niro trying to just exact revenge in every way possible against his lawyer his lawyer yeah wow so um it's uh it's a thriller it's thrilling it's kind of scary. It is kind of. Um, it's, but like I found it just to be kind of uncomfortable, because because of the R word. And he, yeah, when he gets out, like Max Katie does, th- like there's this uh, secretary, uh, or no, she's a court reporter that um, Nick Nolte is kind of flirting with that he That's works his with. Lawyer. Yeah, and Max Katie seduces her and assaults her, and puts her in the hospital, almost kills her. The R word. Yeah. um so that that happens um also nick nolte has like a daughter that's supposed to be 14 and max katie seduces her and doesn't not you know it's not like graphic but it's still just very uncomfortable because you know what the age difference is supposed to be between those two characters and his whole like plan is just to basically do this sort of thing to to everybody that met that uh nick nolte cares about and just drive him to the brink of insanity because he knows he didn't do a good enough job yeah so that's another thing is uh, apparently before he went to prison max was like illiterate and then he just by sheer willpower becomes like basically a lawyer because he spends i think 14 years in prison so he reads all the law books he is very informed on... But did he do it? What am I allowed to ask? Did he do the crime? Yeah. Yeah. That he got put away for? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's guilty. Okay, so who are you even rooting for in this movie? I'm sorry, keep you're, going. You're rooting your... for Nick Nolte okay. and his family. Because, okay. yeah. But basically he comes back as, a, as this like very well-read... He's read philosophy. He's read law. He's read up on the law. He understands exactly what nick nolte did so he becomes this really like formidable scary antagonist who is really strong because he's been getting big you know he's been getting swole he's been left in them books uh-huh <laughs> um and then he he like trains himself to not to basically be impervious to pain so he like it's really hard to hurt him Jeez. um anyway so did you like it no i wouldn't watch it again i don't okay. think um it's just too uncomfortable. So yeah. I'd give it five out of 10 
big scary theme musics. That's what I'd give it. What's the parental guide on it? Uh, yeah, it's it's heavy. With sex and violence and language. There's nothing like graphic that they show for sex, but like. But you know, like, you know what's it's going on. Worse when you yeah, so it's they like. Force you to imagine it. Yeah, so and it's violent. Like there's some violent scenes. There's swearing in it. It's it's a mature movie for sure. Watch at your own risk. Like there's, and I'm not I'm not just giving it a low score because it made me uncomfortable. There's plenty of movies that have made me uncomfortable that I actually really love. Like I'm thinking of Prisoners in particular and Wind River, um, Gone Baby Gone. Those are three movies that I think are really really good that I. Um, would would give high ratings to this one just like icked me out especially like the scene with him and the 14 year old girl i was like nope so you wouldn't recommend this movie to people yeah probably not interesting do we have anything else no i don't have anything what are we gonna try and do next week we've watched some things that are that we haven't reported on are we gonna do that yeah Maybe. Let's see what we've even watched recently. Oh, you've been te- uh, keeping track of it? Okay. So I don't think we have anything set aside that like we're specifically going to watch. So I guess it'll be a surprise to everybody. Yeah. Could be Shorzy. Yeah, we do need to finish that. We've been saying that for like two weeks now. Right. Could be Justified. City Primeval. Oh, yeah. That'll, that would be doable for sure. There's only... We're like only three episodes away from the end. Okay. Could be Welcome to Wrexham. Yeah. Well, we haven't finished the second season yet. Could be anything, really. <laughs> They're all good shows. That's true. Movie-wise, oops. Movie-wise, you're just going to have to guess. Because we don't really know. We don't really have any idea. We watched something during Halloween, but we're probably just going to save that until next Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. And we can do like a whole month of watching spookier stuff as spooky as we can handle yeah we don't really it's like not that spooky stuff Mm -hmm. not trying to lose sleep over these shows and movies yeah same that's it everybody thanks for listening this is reviewable